Hello, Jack. Have we got you there? Hey, Hamish. How are you doing, man? Yeah, man, I'm doing well. Now, did you watch the the recent Beatles documentary, The Get Back? I have, man. I've watched it a couple of times. There's just a barking dog behind me. Ringo, shut up. Yeah, man, I've watched it and I love it. Absolutely love it. Now, is your dog actually named Ringo? No, it's not. It's not even my dog. And the owners will be very disappointed with me when they see I've stolen their dog. Oh, man. But um, now, what did you, what did you, you being from Liverpool and a, and a Liverpool Patriot, what did you think of the documentary? Do you think it like did justice or it's, uh, you know, missed its mark a little bit? To be honest, man, for me, I just see it as a big love story and how for the last however many years, like the Beatles have spoken about in such such high regards around the world, and rightfully so, and especially being from Liverpool, you see them as four lads from Liverpool who went and conquered the world. But when you're thinking about get back, I think it's important if you get back and you look at the timeline of what led to that point, what got us there. And from like 1966, when Revolver was released, the Beatles decided they were going to stop touring. And that was massive because, and I understand why they did it, because sound systems weren't where they were at. Beatlemania was was too much and they needed a break. And that's when they decided to become a studio band. And then obviously after that, they created Apple Corps, which was a brilliant idea at the time. And they weren't making iPhones just yet. That's a different one. They made that, and then obviously everything is monetized, and not not only looking after their own careers, looking after other people's careers and the business side of the business. And then unfortunately, uh, their longtime manager Brian Epstein died literally the same year, um, and obviously he was spearheading everything. And then he was gone. There, uh, George called him Mr. Epstein in the show. Their leader's gone. And then they all have to step up. So it's the conflict. You can already see things on the horizon of yeah. challenges that they were going through that later on you find out, you know, really why the greatest band of all time could be no more. And then for me, one of the biggest points is in 1969, yeah. John and Paul both got married, not to each other. That would have been nice. But Paul got married to Linda Eastman. And John got married to Yoko Ono, who is the most divisive and polarizing figure in pop culture history. Someone that to this day, there's bands right now who have, you know, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, maybe a little bit too around, maybe a little bit too involved and taking that band member away from the process. And we call this the Yoko Ono effect. And then we get back. Hold it there, Jack. This is for all the musicians out there, and this is for all you guys that are musicians but know somebody who is. Now, if you know somebody who's a musician and they're experiencing the Yoko Ono effect, they've got a girlfriend who's doing, you know, getting way too much in their business, call the Yoko Ono helpline. Do them a favor and call the Yoko Ono helpline for them or do it yourself. Cheers. Nice, man. I, I have to say the one thing that I, I took from the start of watching Get Back is is I found it I found it exceptionally, like, to be honest, boring for like the first 
hour because I was, you're kidding me only because i'm used to the way that they structure documentaries like you know, oh, okay. okay you know what i mean yeah. like where it's like here's something here's something here's something and they just yeah. throw a bunch of shit at you in a bunch of different cut footage but then after about after about an hour or so i realized no this is the this is the fucking documentary like they're just yeah. doing it as uh, if there's a camera in the room like any band around the world and then i then after i got that i was just like oh man they're just they're writing fucking great songs but they're just yeah. killing as well like they're just hanging yeah. out i think i think it's a funny thing because it removes the mythology of the beatles because it's not it goes from being you know john paul george and ringo paul that's from liverpool going on to take the states and you know it's the mythology around them and people hearing bands for the first time chris cornell saying he felt like john lennon was his dad because he just kept listening to the beatles all the time and all these artists that have been inspired the way pop culture changed because of them and then you're just watching them decide what they want to have for the lunch is is crazy yeah but the 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 four human beings but we've We've made them these mythical creatures, you know, yeah. the masking for a cup of tea. But I understand what you're saying because as, as a documentary, you just, you straight into it. It's, it's them sat in a big, you know, sound stage. Yeah. Just there being them. But what, like, how, how do you find the Beatles individually? What do you think about the Beatles individually? I think, I think like, as as people, I I I realized Paul was way more involved as a. I I always thought it was John Lennon who runs the band, and they have that little conversation. Mm. But secretly, I think it was Paul that was running the band from that like because I think Paul was always yeah. doing the back. He was the HR part of the band, right? He was the one who was doing like get picking out who's going to be around the band, and then John mm-hmm. Lennon may have just been the force of being like, "Nope, that's what's happening, boys," and putting his foot down on certain ideas and being very, you know, um, yeah, you know, forceful about saying, "Nope, this is how we're doing things." But I think Paul was out there talking and you know doing all the, and I and I what was weird too is I I figured out that Paul was much more aware of his position in history than i actually anticipated like okay did you realize that like paul at that time they 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 weren't just um like you know they 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 weren't just going through shit and like this was their reality like paul's a very rare like aware that they they are the biggest band in the fucking world to be to be a fly in the wall literally in history that's that, like I, I, I've got to give it to Peter Jackson, man. Like I understand, uh, what was his name? Uh, Michael is it Lindsay Hogg, the director, the guy who's we're, we're going to make a TV show. It's going to be a TV special. That guy, yeah. And he didn't even realize it, but he was he was creating content. Well, obviously, he, he they had the show in mind, and it's going to be an album. It's going to be a behind the scenes and whatever. But that footage is more sought after now than it ever would have been at the time. You know, like when, when that was eventually released, that part of the footage and, and whatever, it, it was just something that came out. Whereas, because we've had to wait so long, it's, it's like finding out about the JFK assassination. Yeah. You've got your thoughts and feelings about what was going on and what happened. But to see minute by minute how the bands 
was going and the direction they were going in is quite fascinating for me anyway. Yeah. Made me just, it's, it's, it's just special, man. I, I, I always thought that um, that John was the leader of the Beatles, and then Paul Paul was mm. Paul was second. But I realized it was kind of the other way around. And also, I realized that John was tapped out during this. He's just, you know, he he he's almost like a fly on the wall of the Beatles. You know, he's the he's the. I just, I just felt like his involvement was fuck all in this in this documentary. Because every time I was watching him, like you could see that there was a bit of conflict between like George and and um, and uh, and Paul. But then you also would see like Ringo would show up every day. Ringo was fucking keen. John's late every day. John doesn't mm. say a fucking word in this. Barely, you know, he barely speaks. And I just thought, man, you, he, he's basically he's got one leg out already. Yeah. And and especially like later later on where he's taking meetings with the Rolling Stones manager, he's he's already got his eyes on the exit. One one thing I found surprising was John Lennon post Beatles, you know, where he was at every rally under the sun, you know, and he was he was opposed and everything, and he was as on the side of like the, the peace protests in the states with the Vietnam War. He was he was at the forefront of all that and a lot of things going on in the world. John was right there, but I know in this he he does avoid confrontation. He doesn't like confrontation, and everybody knows that there's something not right between John and Paul. But they're just not talking about it. Yeah. They're doing everything they can not to talk about it. And when they're together, the spark is still there, and they're still them. And they still look like they enjoy it. But I feel like as soon as that's over and they go from playing together, there's that there's that huge thing of they're not necessarily on the same page. And obviously they weren't. But one of one, one of my favorite things about the whole thing is um where the writing and, and John's there and he's he's got his guitar and he's like, Oh, I don't even know all the words to this. And obviously because it's just after the new year. And he's he has that moment, and he, he goes, "Oh, Mel, grab a pen." And he's he's staring at his guitar. And he goes, Everybody had a hard year, a, a good year, and then he he just comes up with the lyrics. You know, everybody put the socks. You know, everybody put the foot. And he, he's literally writing the lyrics. And I, one thing I struggle about with being in in my band with with the Grand Union is the fact that when I'm writing, I see the Beatles and their lyrics and you hear them and you just go, oh my God, oh wow. But they didn't really necessarily put a lot of thought, time or effort into them. You know? And I assumed they did. I just thought they did. But watching them just nod his head and go, yeah, that, that's the lyrics. I, I couldn't believe that. But at the same time, is it because they were that good at writing lyrics? They didn't need to fluff about with it for six months and decide on the day in the studio what phrasing they were going to go for. You know, you know, you know, one thing that surprised me a little bit actually was the, the whole concept of the original documentary, right, is, you know, and we're going to go, and we're going to play a show. It's going to be the Beatles' first live show in however many years. It's, you know, and then 
Paul obviously is wanting it to become a live performer. He wants to be a live band again. He, yeah. Paul wants to be out there again. And I think they all, they all kind of do, really. But the pressure they put themselves under to go into a sound stage, come up with an idea for a show, and write an album yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> they, they, they were that big that they didn't have to put that constraint on themselves. Yeah. You know? They, it's not like they put that pressure on themselves. And that, again, like I was saying before, like it's just adding a little bit of fuel to the fire that they don't need. Yeah. You know? And an interesting one is Ringo. You know, you were saying before about you thought John was putting his foot down more and John was more involved. Ringo, I think, is kind of the shining light of this whole thing. Is because Ringo seems to be the nicest, most caring man out of the band. You know, the McCartney-Ringo relationship is a funny one to this day. People always go, oh, do they like each other or whatever? When Ringo says, you know, I-, I could watch him play the piano for hours, there's genuine love between Ringo and Paul. And he's he's like that with everyone in the band. But where Ringo doesn't want to go abroad and play the show, they they as a band could veto any decision. And if they all didn't want to do it, they just wouldn't do it. Which Which is funny, really, because... It's you think of it as John and Paul making all the decisions, but they allowed George and I say allowed like tongue and cheek. They allowed George and Ringo to make decisions that actually affected them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, I I I got that as well, man. Like, and I I thought it's funny seeing the relationship between Paul and George. Like, George knows that Paul's right about like you know things in the song, but but then you see that like. George's, you know, like ego is like, oh, yeah, but I, can't, can't, I just want to play a little bit, you know, I want to put this here or yeah. this here and it just fucking, and I think any guitar player can relate to that, just wanting to overplay yeah. and like where the singer's like, can we just not have a guitar solo? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one part where they referenced Hey Jude and he's just like, do you want me to sit out like Hey Jude again? <laughs> yeah, well, I... Like, George, George is quite, uh, he's quite ballsy, George. When, when it comes to them anyway, like George, George is just cheeky. But one thing I noticed about George is, is like, I think he feels inferior to John and Paul because he's always been the little brother, you know, that dynamic of relationship and he's playing in their band. But by this point, he's hanging around with Dylan and he's, you know, he's friends with Eric Clapton and, it's it's kind of a funny thing, his relationship with Eric Clapton, because you know what he's talking, he's like, Oh, you know, Eric can do all these things. I can't do all these things, you know. Yeah. That's quite a good George. I know to anyone who's not from Liverpool, they might think I sound like all four of the Beatles, but I don't. But that 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 George impression was killer. But he's nice. the way he talks about Eric Clapton, and then when you think about what happened down the line of Eric Clapton stole his wife. Yeah, you know it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a funny thing. But George, man, I I don't think anyone can watch it and think badly about George because George George for me is he's the normal one. You know, 
he's just he he understands what they're trying to achieve, but he sees it as a bigger picture of there's other things out there, not just the Beatles, you know. Yeah. But I will say when they when they were jamming, all things must pass together, and the three of them were singing on it. I was like, man, it's a, it's a shame that the Beatles never recorded that song. I mean, don't get me wrong, George on his own is is amazing, but it is a shame. I I think every song should have their three voices in harmony on it, man. Imagine, imagine, wow. imagine. <laughs> oh man fuck there's and the one thing did you notice i one thing i took away from this documentary is george was the best dressed beetle oh my god does he have a pink turtleneck on at one point I, I i can't remember that one but the one that comes to mind is just him in these like fucking amazing fur jackets and every time yeah. i see one i was like looking up on my phone where can i get one of these you know you know what's actually quite funny man and, and i didn't really i wouldn't have ever thought about it but you know the obviously what the, the crescendo what we're leading to of, of the rooftop gig right yeah the clothes they wear on that is, I, I don't know, I, I live on the old David Bowie school of thought of you should never wear on stage what you arrive into the venue, right? And it's yeah. it's thought about as more of a, these are your performer clothes, that's not you anymore, these are your performer yeah. clothes. And the Beatles' iconic look in that, in that performance, and they're just the clothes they were wearing to go to the studio in. Yeah. They're just their normal clothes. That's that's just what they were they were wearing, getting from A to B, you know. And I was amazed by that because I feel like maybe some bands more than others, some performers more than others, put a lot of time and effort to what they're wearing on stage. And the Beatles just they'd already done the suits for many years. Yeah, yeah. They just wanted to wear a big comfy fair coat. But that's the thing. They like I. I think for a lot of performers out there, it also becomes an issue of, 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 of price. Like that jacket, that that fur mm. jacket is is would cost a you know a fair quid, right? They have the money to wear that. Well done, Hamish. Well done, Hamish. <laughs> you know they would have the money to wear that all the time. Like if I had that kind of money, like that, I would do that. I would wear the fur jacket. And wherever the, or wherever I wanted, I wouldn't think of the animals, way. Hamish. Think of the uh, animals. <laughs> think of the animals. Yeah, well, you, 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 you pig. <laughs> <laughs> I think Paul's daughter has a vegan fur company. I don't know how it works. But yeah, I have to look into that good if I get some good money. Good on it. What, what, what's your views on George Martin in all of this? Um, I didn't really see what he was doing too much. I just saw him like wandering mm. around asking questions and then, then just disappearing and half an hour later, oh, there's George Martin. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's quite funny because maybe it was up until this point, but I had a conversation with Stu, my friend and guitarist, and he, he was saying 
maybe George Martin, because they weren't at Abbey Road, he was just out of his comfort zone. And they want they weren't actually recording an album at the time. They were just writing songs and seeing what would stick, you know. But it's he's still so involved. And you can see that they all trust him completely. But I thought, obviously, the stories of, of before, maybe it's just because they'd gotten bigger and they, you know, they trusted their own judgment more. But George Martin was very much involved in everything. And I'd, I'd honestly like to know when that turned off and then maybe when it turned back on again in regards to the composition side of it anyway. Yeah, well, I think he was involved in the even like little things that I've seen on YouTube. I think that that's what he that's how he worked. He was like, boys, mm. you go figure this out. Then when you come to the studio, I think we put strings on because there was one conversation about talking about like strings and orchestras on different parts. And you only yeah. heard that briefly before it cut to the next thing. And I was like, ah, that's where you come in. It's like. The boys put yeah. an idea to you, and then you're like, "Yep, let's fill Studio Three with a with a full London orchestra." And then after uh, that, can we get some, you know, concert violins in Studio Four? You know, yeah. I just I just saw that as more of you know of the involvement. Who's calling you, Ringo? Yeah, Ringo. Bloody hell! I'm I'm trying to talk about you, and you're giving me phone calls. Oh no! I'm really sorry about that, Percy. <laughs> yeah for me man mal evans he's he's the guy who i think should deserves a bit of credit anyway for writing a few Beatles songs because he's there sat next to george and sat next to all of them his little pen and paper maybe these should be the words you know changing phrasing and whatever like he doesn't long and white in the road and that's just a beautiful beautiful thing and I'm, he, he was the road manager and he's a guy who later on in the show stops a few coppers from getting where they need to be, yeah. you know? Um, but I just like how anything they need, he's doing. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's such a shame because later on in life, they kind of said that his involvement wasn't really there and he said he did more than he did and whatever. But watching that documentary, the guy is doing everything. Unless, unless, right, he was quite lazy, yeah, and they went, Mal, we're bringing a TV crew in, and he went, right, let's get a coffee in me, I need to look busy, the bosses are here, right? <laughs> unless unless that was the case. Yeah. The guy the guy is, is just everywhere, he's doing everything they need. And uh, it's... The legend of the Beatles is yeah. quite a funny thing, isn't it? Because I just imagine Paul and John early days, you know, in in, in Paul's bathroom writing songs for the right acoustics, you know, yeah. and and then them going in to record with George Martin and Ringo and George learning the songs on the day, you know. And then later on, they've got that many things going on around them and there's a guy there write whatever lyrics they need. And it's, I don't know, I think 
I think there's actually some people who could honestly do with not watching the documentary because if you want them to stay as this mythical, mythical thing, then it's it's how normal they are, you know? Yeah. It's it's like we're coming up into Christmas season now. If you seen what Santa Claus was doing for the rest of the year, would you be that interested in them? I don't know, because he's definitely real. Let me tell you. You know, it's. I feel. I feel like sometimes, although we now, I I feel like it may have always been there, but right now our generation and the way the world is, we've got such a need for content, yeah. got such a need to have it right now. You know, and. There's some things that you just don't want to know about. You don't want to know how the sausage is made, you know? And I feel like for a lot of people, it'll be quite a sad thing for them to watch because they go from being these gods to just being four blokes from Liverpool. Yeah. Good pen a song, you know? Yeah, yeah. Write some amazing albums. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see your point with that because, like, I just, I just felt like if, 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 you know, like if you were there, you would be, you would just be friends with them. You'd just be like, "Hey guys, you know, whatever," and you'd, you know, just, yeah, be, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just, they'd just be, oh, Paul, my friend Paul. Yeah, yeah, it's my mate Paul that that plays, you know, in this band, and uh, yeah, you know, we're just hanging out on the side. He plays, he plays, he plays the funny guitar. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he plays. But he plays it well. As well. Yeah, <laughs> he's not bad. He's not bad. I don't think he. I don't think he'll ever make any money out of it. Yeah, man. I don't. And I, you know, and that George guy's a bit quiet, man. And that Ringo guy's yeah. really nice too. Yeah. But that John. He fella, should be. He, he should be. He should. He should be a train conductor. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but that John Lennon bloke, he's a bit moody. You never know if he's happy or sad when he's sitting in there and, uh, you know, very quiet, pondering his ideas. I think he's just... How does he sleep? Uh, how does he sleep, man? I don't know. I'll die imagining. So what what do you think of Yoko Ono? Man, I think the worst, the, to be honest with everybody that will go watch this, the worst 10 minutes of this whole documentary are when they cut to her it's just, it's just yeah. like jam and Paul's like nodding his head playing along and he must be thinking what have we got ourselves into dude when I saw that I thought fuck man I don't think like Paul has the patience of a saint you know like to sit through yeah. and jam while she's doing that to your song yeah. I, I, I felt anger, anger yeah, for him it's, 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 it's a funny thing you know, imagine like you know he's so nice. Like he, I, I think he was too nice to John, to be honest. <laughs> it, you know, you know, is I. It's when she's reading the newspaper, and they're all sat there writing. You know, the, the Beatles are there, and she's just there, sat next to them. Yeah. Not even next to the Ari Krishna fella. She's just there reading the paper. Yeah. And I could understand. You know, <laughs> I, I I feel like 
I've had a few band members that would be like, can you tell it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and nobody does it. Nobody does it. Yeah. Maybe people, maybe people were more polite then. But I've seen a, an interesting thing, and it was about, uh, it was Paul talking about John, the Yoko. Yeah. And he was like, you know, at the time, it was annoying. But he met the love of his life, and he just wanted us to be around him all the time. And you can't argue with that, yeah. you know. But if you meet the love of your life, she's not going to do the podcast with you, is she? Can I just ask you a question too? Like the yeah. love of your life, do you take to work with you? Oh, um, in here. <laughs> exactly. In here. Exactly. In here. Yeah, like, you know, I, 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 I understand what Paul's saying. I think that's a really sweet way of saying it. And I get it. And like I said, man, I see this whole thing as a love story, you know. But she doesn't always need to be there. No, no. I, I'm surprised nobody was like, hey, Yoko, here's like $20. Could you go get us some lunch or something while we figure this out? You know, <laughs> just like bribe her off. Yoko, do you want to go and scream over there? Yeah. Honestly, was, I, I watched that very, very hungover, right, when uh, she was doing a, a screen. And I was like, this needs to stop. That was the only part I never enjoyed. That was the only bit I never enjoyed. Yeah. Just, just, that, just that little bit, but God bless her. But I've had a conversation about Linda, Paul's missus. And she's just the sweetest, most lovable yeah. human being ever, you know? I don't know why Linda didn't go up to Yoko and be like, oh, Yoko, do you want to come do this? Do you want to come see my, um, you know, just come this way a little bit more? Could you walk another 20 steps in this direction? Yeah. Go do this, you know? Get out of the way. Yeah, and wander around like the Beatles housewives, you know, the real housewives of Liverpool. <laughs> just wandering around outside. Seeing all the sights, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a funny dynamic, isn't it? Because it's John's wife and Paul's wife, you know. Yeah. But for those who are so close, John and Paul, there's not much going on between the wives. Whereas I thought there may have been at least, you know, yeah. some kind of bond. Everyone's been away on a weekend away with your significant others friend best friend and their partner you know yeah with, gr with gritted teeth everyone's done it yeah <laughs> but now she seems she seems really sweet and unfortunately she she you know she didn't have the longest of lives and i feel for paul to this day i feel like that was that was the love of his life you know and he's been in love after it but that was the love of his life yeah and that's i agree that's Paul, 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 Paul. Yeah, like throughout this thing, man, I, 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 I gained more respect from Paul McCartney out of this documentary. I just wish mm. that there was people like Paul McCartney that were politicians, you know, like the the fucking democracy, the patience, and the persistence of that man. We we've got a few politicians in England who say get back, <laughs> and they have Christmas parties when they shouldn't as well. But what, you know what? There was a moment in it, and it actually gave me a moment of clarity, right? And it's when when Paul's there, and he's like, 
you know, I feel like I'm always the one telling you what to do. You know, I don't want to do this, but somebody's got to do it. I I remember thinking, ah, oh, Paul's a bit of a bitch, right? Paul, he's doing this thing of. So when we talk about the Yoko Ono effect, it's uh, you go home and your significant others, you know, maybe annoyed you, and then you're annoyed about the band, and then they're they're saying. You know, they don't realise how much you do for that band and how, you know, they need you more than you need, yeah. you know what I mean? And then it happens all the time in bands. You you play them bands, man, you know. Yeah. If someone comes in, they're a little bit down, they're saying their involvement is more important than anyone else's. And I have a friend in mind. He's my best friend growing up, Chris Bolton, right? And I, every time he'd come in and he'd give, you know, he'd be doing, he was in a band now, and he'd be giving it to me about something, right? And I'd be like, Yoko Ono effect, this is what's going on. Because he'd, he'd met a girl. and But yeah. after watching this, it's given me the clarity of, was I actually doing as much in that band as I could have been, you know? Yeah. The problem is, with, 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 with Get Back and where the Beatles were, is that Paul is all in. Yeah. And the rest of them are not all in. Yeah. George has got his eye on the door. John's got his eye on the door. Ringo never wanted to end. Yeah. But Paul is actually all in. And that's the heartbreaking thing. And to to be in a band where not everyone is that committed as you, especially if you're the main songwriter or one, one of the two main songwriters, I feel like he was giving them an ultimatum yeah. by saying, we need to be out there again. We need to be a live band. And maybe none of them wanted to just, you know what I mean, bite the bullet and go along with it. One big thing about being in a band is managing personalities. Yeah. You know? And it's it's about managing them in the sense of, when do they need an arm around them? Yeah. And when do they need to be told? You know? And I I I do not like being screamed at or told yeah. I'm not I need, you know, the long run up approach to it. Yeah. They call it a director's sandwich, right? So you'd have notes. You're doing really great. Oh yeah, brilliant. And then the filling. Maybe, maybe you could just do it like this instead. Maybe you could, maybe you could, you know, maybe, maybe you could just practice a little more. Maybe, maybe you could be on time more. Maybe, you know, and then underneath, but you're doing great. And that is the director's sandwich. Yeah. You know, it's about being able to manage people's personality. And I personally know I haven't been able to do it well all the time. And I know I've had my personality. Tease managed, but Paul's doing the best that he can. Yeah. And bear in mind, this isn't, you know, a pub rock band. This is the biggest band in the world at that point, you know. <laughs> but one thing, and this is something that when I seen it, and I don't know how you feel about it, when the guy comes around, the publishing guy, and he's talking to them about. You know, uh, oh, and you've bought these, you bought these back catalogs, and you've yeah. bought that, and uh, oh, and uh, 
so-and-so who's done a cover of your song and they're oh yeah great 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 oh, no. oh right should we go for lunch and they don't know it at the time but that is a massive massive point in music yeah. because they were so nonchalant about their own music if if I feel like that's the only moment in it Paul McCartney would have seen and went, I wish I would have paid more attention to that. Yeah. But they just assumed they were being looked after, you know, yeah. because they're the Beatles and they have all this power. Yeah. But a moment that if they'd have all been on it and, you know, being four businessmen, not four musicians trying to steer a ship. You know, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr and Yoko Ono and uh, Olivia Harrison and, and the families would be a lot, lot richer to this day, you know, if if those issues never came up. Yeah. Because that was such a pivotal thing. And I was watching it and I was like, Someone listen to what he's saying. Someone, yeah. someone, and none of them, you know. But I suppose if you've been hit after hit after hit after hit, it's like thinking, you know, you're a professional athlete. Yeah. And you get paid a big contract. And those contracts are always going to come. So you can spend as much as you want because you're always going to earn that. But you don't. And the reality is, you know, the gravy train will end. Oh. If you're an athlete, you'll get an injury. You know, your body can't do what it used to do. Yeah. You stop being able to write number one albums. Yeah. Hits. yeah. Now- and then it all that is just something that you never used to worry about and is now your reality. But the other thing we've got to remember is, man, is like as important as this is and as good as it is that we've got to witness it, this is seven, eight months, or I think maybe, maybe close to a year and a half before the Beatles even break up. Yeah, you know, and George, right? That's it. I'm going. I'm leaving. Where are you going? I'm leaving the band. <laughs> How nonchalant that is! And I'm watching that as a viewer going, "No, George, come back." <laughs> There's no, it, there's the point where they're like, what do we do now? And it's a, oh, well, if he doesn't come back, we'll just get clapped in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you notice that, George? That's, I, I more or less thought George was a little bit of a bitch because, like, before that was the conversation of them, of Paul going, I don't want to tell you this all the time, George, you know, and, and then George then still packs up and has a le- leaves for a couple of days. But imagine yeah. if Paul really ripped into him then. Fuck, the Beatles would have ended a year before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's another interesting thing. John quit. And then that was pretty much... John quit pre-Let It Be even being released, you know? Yeah. And then Paul dissolves the partnership. And then Let It, Let it Be is coming out. And imagine, like, promoting the album... You know, the death of the Beatles. They should have named that album. But that album in itself, like, what, what, what's your favorite Beatles album? 
The White Album. Is it? Yeah. It is. Two people in the world said that. You and Charlie Manson. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it was Charlie's favourite album. He thought it was about the world, you know, coming to an end. But I like like the White Album. Like that, that's mm. that's mine because I think it was the first Beatles album that I listened to, and I was like, man, I can see how you guys are doing this. Like it was like I could see almost the back end formula of it, and I was like, oh, this is this is this is cool because it doesn't seem like you know um, qu- quite because there was just little songs on there that were stupid, you know, that probably shouldn't have been on there. And yeah, on, the, on like especially the White Album, man, and I was like, yeah. Like I, I, this is this is the one I like because it's the one I can kind of see that the the engines working the on. process, yeah. And now every time I listen to it, it's it's just become like it. The more and more, it's just become my favorite thing because it's not quite as polished as the others. Yeah. Um, what about yourself? What's what's your favorite? I don't really want to start the show. I thought you might like to know. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's only half school band. That Sergeant Pepper's man is a masterpiece. Yeah. It really is a masterpiece. Yeah. And that is an album that that's probably been my favorite album for four years. Yeah. That's my go-to to listen to album now. And I feel like they couldn't do anything wrong. The Beatles there. Yeah. And John is equally as involved. You know, he's it's it's competition is a very, very healthy thing. Yeah. You know, because it stops you being stagnant and it stops a big problem with a lot of bands is if one person is the driving force, that person's only got so many ideas. You know, whereas to have two of the greatest ever competing, not necessarily to have a better song than the other one, but to, yeah, that song was good. I need to, you know, or my bit needs to be as good as what he's came up with this on this, you know. And that, that album, and the, the track for me on that, obviously what it ends with a, a day in the life but the she's leaving home yeah and McCartney I, I shift all the time on favourite Beatle I do and I, we had a conversation when uh, my band the Grand Union did West Underground pod the other week about you know you get to enjoy it all you know and you, you don't need to have a favourite because you can enjoy it all and Paul, for me, like what what everyone did post Beatles, what their music was, you know, what 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 they created. I think Wings, the Band on the Run album, yeah. stands next to a lot of the Beatles albums for me. Yeah, and that's because McCartney, like I say, man, McCartney just he had a period there where. Everything he was touching was saying as a goal. Yeah. I got that. And, one. you know, like even on Let It Be, the fact 
the fact Long and Winding Road is on that album. That song is such a beautiful song. Yeah. You know? And and let it be itself, man. Like it's yeah. it's you, you know, you know what you know what I was actually looking for in the documentary? I, I'd always heard that John Lennon thought Paul wrote two of us about them two together. <laughs> and the excitement on John's face where they're playing it, two of us, and these, you know, and the two of them are singing it together. <laughs> and I would I would have liked for in, in that to be like, it's a good song about me and you, right, Paul? And he's like, <laughs> what? It's about Linda. And because I don't care what anyone says, that ended the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> that, must, that must have broken his heart when he found out that we're about to. Oh man. Yeah, it <laughs> did that was one of the glimpses of when you could see Lennon come back to life a little bit in that documentary. I was like, Yeah, there's some there was a little bit of spirit like you know re, rejuvenated in him, and I was like, Yeah, that's that's a good moment. But yeah, but again, it's this is footage that's been in the hands of um so obviously the original director Michael Lindsay Hogg and then the footage got sold in I think 2016 2017 to Peter Jackson so I reckon on you know so we've seen eight hours of footage on the other it's 60 hours total isn't it I reckon on those other hours you know Ringo Ringo's probably just like this on a bunk (laughs) <laughs> you know oh. and that's where he went Octopus's Garden but one <laughs> thing I will say about Ringo is when when he comes in and he's like oh I've got this and he starts playing Octopus's Garden right and the smile on George's face <laughs> and he's like you can see he's like that's really good yeah that's actually really good and it's it's those dynamics that I like in it because the two of them going nowhere m- must have always felt, you know, this is John and Paul's. And then when they got to do anything together, for the two of them, that must have been so good, man. Because yeah. they'd probably been together throughout over the years yeah because everything's always been john and paul you reckon that like like ringo and george were at, at plenty of balconies over the years going i wrote a song and then ringo's like oh yeah i wrote one too and then and they just bitching that they, their songs never got in the thing and then, yeah yeah god i've yeah. got five songs and none of they don't want any of them yeah yeah they only let us have one each on this album Oh yes. <laughs> you know what I will say though? It is it is it is a huge crock of shit that the Lennon McCartney partnership thing, right? Because you you know the songs that neither of them have had and you know you know like there's there's a lot of Paul songs and he's playing them to Lennon yeah. and it's come up, you know, Lennon McCartney. And I think no, he had nothing to do with it. But I mean, as a as a business model, it's it's probably 
as the years went on, been great for the the two of them, more so probably for John's family. Yeah, all still been obviously after John John got murdered, but I think that's what's paying the rent for Yoko at the Dakota Building. Oh, I think Yoko's fine, man. I think I think she'll be fine forever. I honestly, it made me. I see Yoko a bit differently now to how I've seen her. He just, he she still loves him the way she talks about him to this day. You know, it's just, I, the, the fact, it, you know, we, we, we weren't alive, you know, we, we weren't alive when Lennon got shot. But imagine who's the biggest band in the world today? The sad thing is that there was silence then, and I can't tell yeah, you. Yeah, because you don't know. You don't no. know, right? Okay. So out of that biggest band who you've just mentioned that you can't mention, because who is it really? They're, you know. The Foo Fighters? They sing. Oh, it's not the Foo Fighters. I, I love the Foo Fighters, but it's not the Foo Fighters. Well, who, it's got to be a band who everyone agrees on, you know? And the. Nickelback. Hey, we all just want to be rock stars. <laughs> the the idea that someone and I know, like, like I was saying before, John was was at every protest, and he, you know, he's doing everything he could to use his celebrity to help people. The idea that someone would just go and murder them, yeah, you know, it's just is nuts, and especially. We have a problem in our society today, in our generation of main character syndrome, yeah. you know, with Instagram and all these things. Yeah. Like the Mark Chapman just went up and killed John Lennon. Just just killed him. And I, I'd like to I'd like to know what what his albums would have been like going on from where he was. Yeah. Whether he would have dipped, whether he would have, you know, released a a, a a dance album and you know what what would have happened if John Lennon would have went full tech that's what I want to know I, I don't know I don't know but I I read I I read Elton John's book recently yeah and I think he may have may have followed into that a little bit because there's this part of I read the reviews on Elton's book they say it's a little bit funny. Yeah, well, we'll do that. That's the next podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, go on, man. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, dude, I, I definitely recommend it. It'd probably be just as good as if, like, you or I tried to write a book. I'm just glad that he, you know, it's his words and he's, you know, done it. I think yeah. it's worse when you get the ghost writers. Did thought. he write it? Did he write it or did Bernie write it? <laughs> Come on! Oh. If you ever see this, I love you to pieces. <laughs> Elton, I love you to pieces. I'm Bernie. Yeah. I, these, I, these, these are jokes you're not going to find anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh. oh, man. And, and the, the one, going back to the Elton book, there's one part of it where Elton's talking about how everybody used to go see John when in New yeah. York and I would come over. Like, David Bowie, and and when Elton would come over, they would go out and go to clubs and stuff like that, and go to 
So I think maybe because he would go to the, you know, the bit of like the alternative clubs in New York. So imagine if you're going to those places and you're experiencing that kind of music, you would probably, there probably would be Lennon's disco. To, to be fair though, as well, like, like obviously Yoko was an artist and they were, yeah. they lived, they lived in Greenwich Village in New York, that they were surrounded by art, you know, and Andy Warhol's of this world. And they, they were right in there. So I feel like, I feel like he would have carried on making good music, yeah. you know, and even, you know, we, we lost, we lost George very early as well. Yeah. And I feel like those, those travel will be albums. I, I love those albums, man. Me too. Because he, he looks like he's just having fun in it. And yeah. the way he talks about the Beatles in the documentary, he's like, you know, I, I see it as being more than just us. You know, we are, you know, maybe Dylan can join and the Beatles being this this big thing is essentially what he created in the Travel World Breeze, you know? Yeah. Just like all 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 the top dogs together having a little sing song. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I just had one thought too as well, like that just came to mind as well. Like I don't think Lennon would have released the disco album, to be honest, because he was around for it. Like he was around for disco throughout the seventies. He would have seen the yeah, band that's true. Actually, and Joy yeah. Track and yeah. go down that road, and you know he 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 didn't participate in the staying alive era. You know, <laughs> we, you know, go and with the documentary too. Were you sitting there going, "Oh, I'm looking at a like a very young John Lennon and like and Paul McCartney," and then after like thinking. Fuck! After this, you went and did da 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 da, da you know, and just yeah. sitting there going. After this, you moved to New York. After this, you, you take it pretty easy with life and put out a couple albums, and then just put a band to get an all-star band together, and then mm. looking at Ringo and going, you go on to you know do the voice for Thomas the Tank Engine. Just sitting there going, the, the most <laughs> successful of the quartet, if you ask me. Yeah, and just going like. Wow. And like, we're just chilling with you guys. Like we're just sitting in the, you know, in the, in the background and going like, you know, like just so much of history could have been changed, you know, if you were able to become present in those moments and be like, yeah, George, stop smoking cigarettes. John, don't move to New York. (laughs) Yeah. John, stop pissing people off. Yeah. (laughs) Overall, would you recommend the uh, the Get Back documentary to 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 your friends, or also to your friends who aren't musos? Like, I feel like for me anyway, this is a documentary. If you're playing music, or if you've got that little creative bug, that it's definitely a watch. If you're not, it's probably going to be a very tough watch for you. I I actually agree with you, man. I think it's it's a, it's so I. I work with an Italian guy, a very nice guy, right? Favorite band is Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier, he was like, I was, I was watching Get Back. Just I was watching it for the second time. Obviously, for doing this, but more for my own enjoyment. And this, you know, this says what you basically just said. I think fans of the Beatles will care about it, and they will care about it. Fans of music will care about it. Yeah. The average Joe, my mate Luca, 
for example, oh, that's cool, bro. He's Italian. This is this is how he speaks. He can't speak English in the Northern Territory. And for for everyday people, I don't really. They're not going to rush to watch it. Yeah. But for for anyone who's in the arts or in music, you know, it's how could you not watch it? Yeah. When 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 it was announced what they were releasing, it was a countdown in my mind till the twenty fifth. You know, yeah, literally a countdown, and it wasn't because that's when my brother's birthday is. It was because Get Back was going to come out, and we were going to get to see it. Yeah, did it live up to your expectations? Well, I didn't really have any particular, like, expectations. Like, to be honest, I didn't go in there going, oh, I expected to be like this, I hope. Yeah. You know, uh, but I think in, in, in hindsight, it, it did because it made me just realise, shit, man, like, they were just, like, normal dudes. Like, you could just, you know, you could just see that they weren't, like, um, you know, like, yeah, like, manufactured fake you know, people like they were just genuine, you know, dudes. Like that's, I think yeah. that's one thing I took away from it. It's just like, I, I feel like if you met them, like even if you met Paul to this day, I don't think, I don't think it'd be like, you could sit down in a room and kind of have a, have a, you know, talk to Paul once you kind of got over the fact that he's Paul McCartney. Oh my God, it's Paul McCartney. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, once you had that no, moment, no, I feel like you'd yeah. be like, oh man, I actually, you know, you'd be a decent person to sit around with. Yeah. Now, I don't others, think there's, a, there's, any, there's any malice in Paul McCartney, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think there's a bad bone in his body. Yeah. I genuinely don't think there is. Go on, like, man, carry on, sorry. There's other celebrities that you meet out there, right? And you could imagine that you, you wouldn't probably like to be in a room with them, you know, with some of them. And you'd be like, you could imagine that they would be like a, how do I say the, uh, you know, the C word in a nice way. See you next Tuesday. Exactly. A little nice way. Yeah. You know, and um, I just, I just don't feel like they, you know, maybe if you caught them on a bad day, but I feel like for the most part, you know, yeah. And I think that was the one thing I'd take away from it. Cause you know how they say you never want to meet your heroes. I feel like then after watching that, I was like, maybe it wouldn't be bad. Mm-hmm.